This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Built by Bama online podcast presents Daybreak for Wednesday, April the 1st. 2020 Travis Ryer senior analyst for BamaOnline.com with you every Monday Wednesday and Friday here on Daybreak joining me once again on the podcast BOL team reporter Charlie Potter and Charlie it is April the 1st as we bring you in here but I think in light of recent events let's just skip the whole April Fool's stuff right I mean I've never been a big fan of the whole April Fool's thing not sure about you, uh, but I'm sort of in a mood. If if somebody hits me with an April Fool's today, uh, they, they 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 might be subject to a throat punch or something like that. What about you? Yeah, I, I hate it. I always have. It's just um, especially when the age of social media kind of took off, when you have different companies and stuff tweeting things out and, and tricking people. I just don't like it. I'm not one that likes to be tricked. I don't like surprises. Uh, I know it's not really the the nature of this holiday. I don't like to be scared or anything like that. So yeah, I'm not a fan of of April Fool's Day. Although I, I think that we should hear some news that Nick Saban's going to hold a teleconference here this week, and that might drop in people's inboxes, and they might think that's a joke too because we haven't heard <laughs> from him yet. But um, other than that, yeah, I, I can't stand April first. I, I that's one of the days that I just can't wait for it to be over every year. The problem I have with April Fools is that 95% of them of the pranks aren't funny. You know what I mean? Yep. Like yep. if the hit rate was higher on them, I'd probably be more of a fan. But most of them are just cringeworthy and you funny you mentioned Nick Saban because I totally anticipate at some point on this April Fools Day getting that Nick Saban agrees to become the head coach of the uh, DC, uh, whatever XFL team, you know, you know, those are coming, right? The bad memes and everything else. Yeah. And now since there's no actual sports to, to report on or oh, to, to make gosh. up, it, it could get even worse. So yeah, those are, I mean, like, I don't like the, the false nature of it, but yeah, the, the cringiness and, and the, the links people go to, to try to make a joke too, that that's pretty bad in and of itself. Yeah, it is a leap year, by the way. So we have an extra day this year. So maybe we can just trade that extra day for April Fool's Day and just <laughs> go back to 365. I think that's a good deal. I think that's one we could all agree upon. But uh, obviously, uh, in light of what we're dealing with globally and certainly here in the United States, uh, with the, the growing concerns, it seems like almost daily uh, with this COVID-19 uh, pandemic, uh, and it's how it's in, an, an impacted and affected uh, the sports world on the collegiate scene here just in the last day or so, Charlie. Uh, we kind of learned what we expected to learn in terms of an extension of eligibility, an additional year of eligibility for spring sports student athletes. Uh, we figured that would be the call from the NCAA, uh, but the manner in which this was left sort of open-ended at the discretion of individual schools and conferences and how they would go about dealing with this 
with an emphasis on the economic ramifications for Division One athletic departments. Uh, I don't know if if I anticipated sort of the fallout that would come from this, but I, it might be a while, Charlie, before we truly know how this is exactly going to play out, I guess. Yeah, I mean, well, just in general, there's a lot of questions with athletics and the future, but you know, this throws a new wrench in it. You know, teams can now, um, you know, welcome back the players that lost a year of eligibility or, you know, lost playing time in the spring, all the spring sports, they can um, grant them an extra year of eligibility if they want. And um, there, there is just a, it, it was kind of like a contract when we saw the release from the NCAA, because there's a lot of uh, formalities in it. Um, you know, financial aid rules were adjusted to allow teams to, to carry more members uh, on scholarship. And that's to account for not only incoming recruits, but the student athletes that, um, had their last year of eligibility affected, and then they decide to stay. Um, they're also going to provide schools with flexibility to give students the opportunity to return without requiring that athletics uh, aid to be provided uh, at the same level that was awarded in 2019 and 2020. And, um, you know, the, the interesting thing, like you said, is that it's going to come down to the, the school's discretion, really. And uh, that takes a little bit of the pressure off the NCAA because now, um, you know, teams can do this or teams can say, you know, look, we're, we're sorry, but we're going to move on. And it's um, it's probably not going to affect some of the sports that don't have uh, professional levels uh, for the players to move on to sports like softball. That those those players don't really you know move on uh, to play professional softball, but a sport like baseball is probably going to be affected not only because of uh, the Major League Baseball draft when and if that occurs and what capacity that occurs, but the scholarship limitations that uh, Alabama has, uh, um, or a team like Alabama has, talking to, to Coach Brad Bohannon, you know, he said there are some guys that have expressed interest to return, and then others uh, would like to return, but they already have their degree, and you know, now it's up to them of whether they want to, you know, pay to to play. Uh, so uh, it, it's going to be a slippery slope for some teams, but uh, on the surface, you know, the NCAA did the right thing. Um, you know, now they give the 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 balls in the team's court of how they want to handle it, and We'll see how it goes from here. Yeah, it's a bottom line situation because there are so many athletic departments and programs that operate at the Division One level. Maybe not so much in terms of football, but when you look at basketball, right, in baseball, uh, and softball. But talking specifically about spring sports, um, more so baseball and softball, obviously. But uh, you, you think about football season and the importance now that it puts on, uh, you know, that season actually coming off because of the financial impact uh, that it presents uh, with, with the, with the, the television and the, and the revenues being what they are. I mean, we've already seen just from the cancellation of the NCAA men's basketball tournament, what it did to revenue shares uh, and revenue distribution from the NCAA here recently for 2019 and into 2020. So, uh, boy, I'll tell you, uh, these non-revenue sports, these non-fully funded sports, uh, they really, really need football season to come off. Even if it's modified, uh, even if it's shortened by somewhat, uh, they need the revenues that football, the golden goose, uh, certainly produces for an entire athletic Department. It is daybreak on a Wednesday, April the 1st, 2020. Uh, I'll tell you, somebody who isn't slowing down in the midst of 
this uh, crisis that we're in right now. Uh, that seems to be Nate Oates and his coaching staff there, Charlie, for the Alabama men's program, that transfer portal. We figured that Nate Oates would be nosing around in that area of uh, you know, talent outlets, uh, junior college, uh, grad, uh, grad transfers, transfers in general. Uh, and that looks to be the case. Got some pretty good news, although it, it looks like it's going to be still a pretty good fight for a grad transfer from Yale. Uh, that we heard about here in the last day or so. Yeah, I mean, it's a shocker. It's not a player from Canada at this rate with how <laughs> his staff is, is operated. But, yeah, Jordan Bruner, the grad transfer from Yale, he has Alabama in his top three, which also features Baylor and Maryland. And, um, you know, NATO's kind of outlined when he talked to us in a teleconference last week what he's looking for. And uh, it's, it's basically everything, but he really wants to focus on big guards and um, and uh, bigs that can score. And uh, not only that, but pass, dribble, and shoot. So uh, Jordan Bruner's a guy that fits that mold. He's a guy that averaged nearly a double-double in the Ivy League. And um, that's something that Alabama needs consistently is a guy that can, um, you know, work down low, uh, pull down rebounds. Um, I think it was just here in this last week. I don't remember who it was, but Benedos was on just a, a radio show here in, in Alabama. And he talked about how perfect – a guy like Dante Hall would have been in his system. And they're looking for that piece, really, when it comes to a big. And I'm not really comparing him to, to Dante Hall, per se, but you know, Bruner would certainly fit a need uh, they have in the low post. And uh, I think that's going to be an area they address, as well as continuing to add um, you know, long guards, because all three of the guys that have entered their name in the, the NBA draft um, can play the guard position. Herb Jones can play down low whenever they're not having to use him at the four, even the five. So... Um, yeah, I think that's really what they're looking for. And right now, uh, there's a lot of teams that Alabama's out on. There's a lot of teams that are that are Alabama's in on out there. And uh, there's a lot of teams that has Alabama in their final five, six, eight, ten, whatever. But to to see a guy like uh, Jordan Bruner, who's one of the the highly coveted guys out there, to have them in uh, his top three, that that's pretty big for Alabama. Yeah, versatility across the board, and it won't be easy with Maryland and Baylor uh, in that trio for Bruner, uh, but he does seem to fit that bill. And you like the three-point percentage for a guy who's 6'9", uh, right around 32% for Bruner uh, in 2019-2020. Shot about 100 threes, 99, 100 threes. So not exactly a volume guy like an Alex Reese, but uh, enough to sort of tell you that he can knock down some open looks from the perimeter. But probably those nine rebounds, right? That's the thing that you like as much as anything if you're Nate Oates in terms of, of trying to find another post to, to plug and play there. Um, and again, doesn't look like Oates, Brian Hodgson, Antoine Petway, and the staff are uh, leaving any rock unturned at this point on the recruiting trail. Now, Charlie, as we've done in recent podcasts here on Daybreak, we have made the case for some Alabama football players for what we hope will be the 2020 season. Uh, obviously, in doing so, we've focused on some areas where there's expected to be a good bit of competition. We talked about Mac Jones at quarterback. Most recently, we talked about Josh Job at the cornerback position on defense. So with that, I figured we'd go back to offense today and look at that offensive line because there's some potential moving pieces in play there. And today we're going to make the case for Emil Echior, the redshirt sophomore interior offensive lineman 
as a very, very prominent candidate for perhaps that left guard position, Charlie. And I guess we're doing that on the assumption that some things are going to happen that involve the right tackle position. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, the departure of Jedrick Wills leaves a big hole in that offensive line, even though they do return four to five starters. But you got to think that, as we've seen in past years, a guy like Evan Neal, who was a true offensive tackle, I think he was the number one offensive tackle in his uh, recruiting class, would just move back over to the vacancy at tackle after playing left guard as a true freshman, playing really well, uh, might I add. So that's just the the natural shift. Um, you know, I talked to Matt Womack um, just about his you know draft process, the pro day he put together down in Naples, and I made sure to, to kind of pick his brain a little bit about the offensive line and you know, he said the same thing. So that that's just kind of what the belief is in that building will happen. Uh, things can change. The, a lot of those guys have position flexibility, so they can move guys around. But you would think that Alex Leatherwood would remain at left tackle. Landon Dickerson would stay at center. Deontay Brown would stay at right guard. And then Neil would just kick out to right tackle. So that leaves the opening at left guard. And, uh, you know, I asked him, uh, Matt Womack, I was like, well, who do you think fills that fifth spot? And it's tough because there are a lot of capable players. There are a lot of young guys that show a lot of promise, guys like Pierce Quick. Um, if, if they were to kind of move Landon Dickerson to guard because he can play those or both or all the interior positions, uh, a guy like Darian Dalcourt or, or Chris Owens could move in there. But the guy that kept coming up was Emil Ekior. And, and um, you know, he's a, a great athlete. He really understands the offense. Um, and a lot of guys trust him just because he is that kind of reliable um, player there. He's he's received some first-team minutes in the past and you know been in the thick of things when they've had competition, and now with what seems like to be an opening in the interior, he makes the most sense right now. I mean, we have no spring practices to go off of. They haven't lined up and done anything like that, but you know, if, if everything were to go as kind of everyone envisions, Emil Ekior makes sense at, at left guard. They have other options, but – He's now kind of been in the system for a while, and uh, it just seems like a natural fit. Hard to look at Emil Echior and not think a little bit of Chance Warmack from six, seven years ago, right? Uh, body type similar, 6'3", 327. Um, you know, kind of at a point in his career where he sort of sniffed that starting lineup. That was the case a year ago. He was kind of a top three guy there uh, between those guard spots. Uh, you hit on the the importance of position flexibility for a lot of these guys. He certainly represents that. He was actually the nation's number two ranked center prospect coming out of high school by 247sports.com. We've seen him work at both spots uh, during his time in the program. So without a doubt, in terms of sensible options, um, he would represent that. Um, and it, it just seems easy enough right uh in terms of just plug and play if you do the expected and kick evan neal out to right tackle uh it it makes a lot of sense although you know there's so many 
potential options in competition that could, you know, sort of play its way out there. You mentioned Pierce Quick. I mean, you still got some guys uh, in this program like Chris Owens that are certainly veterans uh, that have been around and have played significant snaps and important snaps there in the interior. Um, is, is uh, Is it a situation where, it, in your opinion, it's just that easy, Charlie, or do you think that there's there's potential for Landon Dickerson to maybe move around some because he has experience at guard? Um, you know, if it isn't Emil Echior at left guard, who who might it be? Yeah, I think they have options. Uh, that was one of the things I was most looking forward to about spring practice is just how it looks and, and maybe how it changes on a daily basis because we've seen – in past springs and preseasons, they kind of mix things up to try to find the the, the best five that they can put out there as a cohesive group. And uh, I, I think with moving Neil to right tackle and just having one uh, guy move and have another opening to fill, you, you kind of keep that consistency that you had from last year on offensive line that, that played pretty well and uh, I think kind of got better as the season went on. And um, I think that you try to keep that together as much as you can, but that, that flexibility – it allows Kyle Flood and, and Nick Saban and Steve Sarkeesian to, to move guys around to, to find that group that works the best. And, um, you know, if it isn't Emil, uh, Pierce Quick, yeah, he's a guy that, you know, he has potential to be a, a great player at Alabama. I think he made strides late in the season. Um, you know, just yesterday, I believe it was Matt Hereford, the former walk-on wide receiver, uh, tweeted out a video just kind of showing off his athleticism. And, uh, you know, he's doing a box jump, and I, I know that he um, – he takes a step, but uh, he was he was jumping over 50 inches, and uh, you know that's impressive for a big guy that to show that explosive ability and, and hops. Um, you know Chris Owens, yeah, he's a guy that that can play uh, center or guard. He's been in the system uh, a long time. He's a guy that started this past year uh, at center, and uh, then they kind of shook things up a little bit, and Landon Dickerson moved in. And if you do move Dickerson to left guard. Then Owens can step in at center. Emil Ekior can step in at center. I think Darian Dalcourt is a guy that you and I have both been high on. That's uh, that's the guy I want to talk about. Okay, it, I'll let could, you go. Could, well, I'm going to ask you about him. Could okay. Darian Dalcourt make it make it hard on Kyle Flood to keep him out of the five? Um, if if he's able and and look, a guy that obviously when we talk about guys who could really use spring practice, I I would say. Uh, young guys in general, but but perhaps Darian Dahlcourt for for what we're we're discussing here. Um, do, do you envision a scenario in which Dahlcourt may just be too good uh, here in the very near future to to keep off the field? It, it's certainly possible. I mean, we look at the the true freshman that came in, and it's a talented group. Um, Evan Neal clearly uh, was the cream of the crop there, coming in starting all 13 games as a true freshman, but. Dalcourt was a name you kind of continuously heard uh, throughout the season. And, and that's not just from, you know, talking to people behind the scenes. Nick Saban was mentioning his name uh, up behind the podium. So I think he's certainly a, a candidate there. It, you know, he has competition uh, from older players like Owens and Ekior. Uh, but I think that's the that's kind of the, the wild card in all of this is, you know, if they don't kind of go about things the way they have been, and only make as many minimal moves as they can. Um, if you shake up the whole deck, Dalcourt makes a lot of sense to go in there at center in between two veteran players like Deontay Brown and Landon Dickerson. And Dickerson's a guy that can help him out as a guy that's played center and 
Um, yeah, it, it just goes back to what we've been talking about, how they have a lot of options, especially in that interior, uh, to fill these spots. And uh, it, it's going to be interesting if they get on the field uh, to see how it all plays out. Yeah, I guess the bottom line is the expectation for this group, uh, hoping again that we have a, a college football season in 2020. Uh, the potential is there to be really, really good. And you really want to see it happen this year because when you look ahead to 2021, you know, Landon Dickerson moving on, Deontay Brown moving on, Alex Leatherwood moving on. So this is potentially a a great group. We just got to see if they can get on the field at some point uh, in 2020. That's going to do it for Daybreak. On a Wednesday, and as promised, and as we certainly hope uh, you'll you'll follow along with us. No, no April Fool's Day pranks, right? I mean, let's give that at least a a one year hiatus. I think uh, Charlie and myself are in total agreement on that, right, Charlie? Absolutely. Um, unless it is a good joke and it's harmless, just let it be. Just let it be. Yeah, one year moratorium on that. Uh, on that April's Fool's Day thing. Thanks a lot for joining us here on Daybreak. Thank you for joining us at BamaOnline.com as well. Continuing coverage of all things Crimson Tide you're going to find at BOL. Great place to hang out with us. The premium message board community there on BOL. The roundtable, you're going to want to do that as well. For Charlie Potter, Travis Schreier. Thanks again. We'll talk to you again when Daybreak returns on the Built by Bama Online podcast. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.